0: Go ahead and grab a seat, grab your, Bibli, your Bible, and uh, we can get going. Now I just want to say, I, I got a sneaking suspicion that there are some people in here today that are usually 9.30 attenders, <laughs> and they just simply did not want to get up because they lost that hour of sleep. And then there are going to be some people that are going to arrive at around 12.15, Thinking the church is about to start. Well, church is about to start, but that's a whole other thing. Right, We're in week number two of here, there, and everywhere. And uh, today's title is Echo. Last week we looked at Matthew chapter five and <laughs> Jesus' declaration that you matter, that you're important. For him, and not only for yourself, but also for the people that are around you. Matthew five thirteen. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we said last week that you are the salt of the earth or you are the fridge. You are the preserving factor for people that are around you and uh, I won't make you do it this week. Last week I had you turn to the person next to you and say you look like a fridge. You might get in trouble if you do that in other contexts, but the truth is, we are the preserving factor, not just for us, but for the world that God has called us to live in. And then also, we are the light of the world, that we are here to be salt and light, and light isn't there for the, the, the other lights, Light is there for the darkness. The darkness needs the light. And when we talk about what God is doing in us as a church and and perhaps you as a family or perhaps us as groups of community and Christian community, we talk about culture. And culture is the way we do things around here. As a culture at Emmanuel, we want to move toward a culture where we identify more with what Jesus says we are than what we came out of. And a culture where the way we do things is Jesus' way, not just what everyone else is doing. Can I get an amen? So today, as we start off with Echo, I want you to know that you're not only important to Jesus and important enough for him to die on the cross for your sin, but he thinks you're so important that he includes you in his plans for the whole world not just your immediate circle. So if we were thinking here, there, and everywhere, we, last week was here, this week is actually everywhere. We'll get to there next week. I can move things around like that because I'm the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I think of this fact, as he includes us in his plans for the whole world, is in a sense he wants to echo through us. Echo is an acoustical term. It's a, a term related to a sound, that is uh, traveling through space. An echo is a reflection of sound, arriving at the listener sometime after the direct sound. How many of you have ever heard an echo? You hear an echo, go, 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 you know. You hear something that kind of keeps going. And it's one sound, but it kind of hits you at different points. You could be in a room where it bounces off of a wall. You could be near the Grand Canyon and yell and, and, and it comes back to you somehow. But a true echo is a single reflection of the original sound source. A true echo, a true echo is a single reflection of the original sound source. In terms of the echo of what occurred when Jesus was on the earth, is that Jesus is the original sound, and that sound has been echoing ever since he ascended. Can I get an amen? And how did he do that? Well, Jesus' investment for three years in a group of disciples or people he mentored yielded a 2,000-plus-year return. In other words, the sounds that he had with the people that were around him and the investment he made in them continued to resonate throughout the centuries. And when I think about Jesus, he didn't just teach people he led people he lived with people he mentored people mentoring is a modern word in the biblical terms in the church world we've talked about discipleship but discipleship is i live with you i lead you in such a way that you're under discipline you're changing from the way you used to live and now you're beginning to follow the way i live Jesus knew that that wasn't a one-time event, it was actually a process. Those of you that have come to faith in recent years, you know this to be true. However, you were living and then Jesus captured you, now all of a sudden you began to follow Jesus, but it's, it's taken a while to get where you are right now, right, changing your patterns, your thinking patterns, what you do for fun, your language. How many of you, your language changed over time when you became a Christian? What you said, what you don't say anymore, right? Some of those words don't come out of your mouth unless you, like, hit your thumb with a hammer or something. And then it's Jesus. Just, well. Let me just say this about mentoring. There is power in mentoring. Jesus displayed the power of mentoring with what he did with his disciples. Because when you read the Bible now, you pick up the bible and you read matthew mark luke and john you know what that is it's an echo of the original event so much so that they heard his words and they came out of those individuals and when we think of mentoring i think of somebody like the prophet samuel the prophet samuel was this great historical leader in israel And he took care of all the needs of the nation. He was not only prophet, he was the judge. He was the military leader. And Israel wanted a new king. And so they asked God for a king. God gives them a king that they they deserved in Saul. And Samuel installed him as the king. And then Saul didn't do the right thing, didn't do what God had told him to do. And it was time for another king. And God says to Samuel, I want you to go to anoint the next king, which was a guy named David. And in 1 Samuel 16, you'll see a little story there where David's out in the field taking care of sheep, and he's overlooked by his his father. He's overlooked by everyone else, but he's out there. And God says, Samuel, to eventually get to anoint that king. There's a little passage of scripture that says, and God looks at the heart when man looks at the outward. You remember that little passage of scripture? What's amazing about that story is God was anointing a king, and God notices people anywhere, but he uses mentors to notice it and to call it out. And let me just say this to you, those of you that are parents, teachers, leaders, bosses, you've got people that are underneath your authority, it's your role to notice the king in someone else. It's your responsibility to listen to the prophetic from God, not just to notice their rights and wrongs and whether or not they're doing a good job or they're a good kid or a bad kid or you pat them on the back, but also notice where they're going. We need to be people that are listening for the call of God for other people, saying, God, what are you going to do through someone else? What are you saying for my child? How can I help do my part in, in guiding them into the call that you've got on their life? That one was for free. It was not in my notes. It was just for free today. It's always for free. (laughs) See, Jesus mentored. He lived with. He talked to his disciples. He challenged them. He coached them. And each time the disciples spoke, there was an echo of Jesus. You read the New Testament, echo of Jesus. And what's amazing is from the time Jesus is here and now 2,000 years later, when you hear the echo of Jesus through another, you can meet the original yourself. Yeah. Now, this is what's crazy about it. Remember, a true echo comes from one single source, right? But if you're hearing the echo through another, it seems to me that you're only hearing it set two times removed or, or or maybe hundreds of years removed. Or if you read the Bible, you might think, well, this is just ancient truth. How do I know it's actually real? Well, what makes it different with the echo of heaven and the echo of Jesus is when you hear the truth, somebody else preached it to you. Somebody else talked to you about Jesus. Somebody else mentored or modeled it for you. What's interesting about the echo of Jesus is when you hear about Jesus or you read his word, now you get to meet him for the first time directly. See that's what's different. When you hear the echo and you come in and you hear about Jesus now all of a sudden you begin to get an opportunity to connect with Jesus himself. Jesus has been gone for over 2,000 years physically on the planet but he's been alive in every single day since and he's been alive through the lives of the experiences of people who meet him through the echo heard around the world. Amen. See, the sound is a fresh, present tense explosion of the crystal clear, freeing, life-changing voice of God. When you hear the echo of Jesus through another, you can meet the original yourself. And when he speaks, when Jesus spoke, blind eyes were opened. People that were full of demons were delivered. People who were away from God on the cross. And he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. When he speaks, the world was created, and he brings speech to us today through his echo. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you. What's interesting is the promises of Jesus are left with us, his promise. His peace. How many would rather have Jesus' peace than somebody else's peace? I want his peace. Well, his echo of peace is available for you today. Perhaps you're in a painful time and you can't find a sense of peace. You're anxious inside. You need to hear the voice of Jesus even this very day. Speak, peace, I leave with you. Jesus is called the King of Kings. He's called the Lord of Lords, but he's called the King of Kings. To be a King of Kings you have to have a kingdom. And Jesus has a kingdom, a territory where he has absolute authority. And the cool thing is when he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, his territory, there's no end to it. There's no limits to that. Philippians 2, 10 says that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I love about this is Jesus No matter where I go, just this last year, uh, some friends of mine and I, we were in in, uh, the Arabian Peninsula and as we were there, we were in a nation where there were 20 known Christians in the entire nation. It's illegal to be a Christian and uh, any of the nationals were not allowed. In fact, there's death that comes with it. But when we would meet a Christian, a real one, in that nation, it was as if we were connected i had never met them and you know even though i'm 40 none of your business years old and i am (laughs) growing old i had met them in my first 40 some years and i don't know if i'll ever meet them again but i felt like we were connected what is that connection that connection is a kingdom echo a connection of the kingdom and something about jesus kingdom is is that it's worldwide there is no end to it and he connects people that should have no other connection It's the spirit of God, it's the community of the believers, but it's also the reality that the kingdom of God is larger than one local church. You see, Jesus and his kingdom has many neighborhoods. Even locally in the the Minneapolis-St. Paul region around here, there are thousands of churches. There's Lutheran churches, Baptist churches, churches that don't want a denomination name in front of it. There's cool names, you know, some churches are the, you know, eight different names to one church and then there's a church that doesn't want to be called a church but where there's believers that are under the kingdom of god we can walk in and we can be connected to them we don't need to be we're not in conflict we're not uh opposing members just i've got sisters and brothers that are meeting in in church just up the road several different churches right now they're a part of the same team same kingdom I'm not worried about I'm not worried about competition with them. I've had people ask me about worrying about people leaving our church and going to another church. I'm like, are they going to church? Are they part of the kingdom? Yes, praise the Lord, we win. You know what I'm saying? So we're the same kingdom, and there's an echo that connects us one to the other. And His invitation, Jesus' invitation, is for us to be kingdom-minded, a kingdom culture for Jesus to echo with his kingdom today that's my great heart i want you to think about having a kingdom heart a heart that's connected to the larger picture of what god is doing around the globe and as we are all the things that we do whether we're mentoring our children or when they grow up and they are sent around the world or or uh uh, when we bounce into people that we're in other cities with Everywhere we go, the kingdom of God is there, and we need to be a part of cheering on what God is doing in other places. A great example of this is when um, we had many students that were in a youth ministry, and I was a youth pastor, and and one of the students that came up uh, was a girl named Liz Call. Liz was a, a, her and her brother, Andy, were in our youth ministry. Their dad was a vice president in North Central and they were part of our missions teams and they went all over the place. And then eventually, their dad got a job down in, in Texas and another at a church. And so they had to move. Well, when they moved, they got integrated and connected to the kingdom that was down there and the church world that was down there. And Liz ended up getting married to Chris and her name, last name changed to Shepherd. And uh, when Liz was uh, um, married and making a difference and she was a runner and she ran a lot, she ran 411 straight days until she was diagnosed with cancer just this last year. And uh, it was right coinciding with the time where they discovered that she was pregnant with their first child and she had a core decision to make, was she going to keep the child? or not because the cancer was near the area where the womb is, and so she chose to keep the child and uh, little Sophie was born. And uh, Sophie's strong and doing great, praise the Lord, (laughs) amen. However, uh, over time Liz fought hard and, uh, and cancer took her body but she's with the Lord today. She, she went to be with the Lord near the end of 2015. Well, there was a number of people that are in the fabric of the kingdom that were I'm connected to from our youth ministry that have all grown up and they know her. We were all hurting and praying on Facebook and we even spilled into the prayer services here on Wednesday night. And we prayed for her, we prayed for Sophie, we prayed for the whole family, for Chris, her husband, and we continued to pray. Well, now they're putting on a run, a Lizzie Strong run, around the country. And, uh, and it's April the 9th at 9 a.m., and there's gonna be one here in town, and I just signed up for it on Friday. We're gonna run 4.11 miles to represent the 411 days that she consecutively ran. And uh, and they're gonna raise funds for uh, helping um, people that are caught up in the sex trafficking um, uh, Industry and and, and some of the horrible slavery that's going on and are partnering with venture another partner of of Emmanuel And they're going to raise funds for that But the reason I'm talking about this is that we are connected around the country We're connected across generations because of the kingdom echo See what I'm saying? In other words, why would I buy into something like that? I got to figure out how to run four miles in four weeks Jesus help me, I need intercessors all over the place. Just right there, right there, right there. Pastor Nate, put them right there, in, okay. And if I'm connected, I'm going to, I, I, I have an ability to be aware of, support, and be connected to the overall resources of the kingdom of God. And the obstacles that I have to being a kingdom-hearted, kingdom-minded person are natural obstacles. I might be afraid if I go all in with this, kingdom of god stuff then god might ask for more money of mine than i want to give or or god might try to send me to a place on the globe i don't want to go lord don't send me to siberia or whatever it may be and the truth is if god sends you somewhere you're going to be okay because that's the best place to be on the planet in the center of his will but the greater truth is this even if he's assigned you somewhere else let's say minnesota and you're to grow a business, or you're to to raise a family, or you're to to do what God has designed you to do, you still have a responsibility to be kingdom connected, to be connected to the echo of the kingdom of God. And the fact is, whatever we do or don't do will echo worldwide far into the future. Whatever we do and whatever we don't do will have an echo. I wonder what our echo will be. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, we see the disciples on the heels of all of his three years of ministry, the height of crowds, and then he's betrayed and he's died on the cross and now the disciples are hunkered up, holed up in a room and they're on the most wanted list. They're out on, and all that they're worried about if they're the next ones. They've already got Jesus, now they're coming for us. And yet, Jesus had a design for them to be his echo, and if they stayed in that room if they didn't bust out of the room i don't know if we would be hearing the gospel we've been hearing today this is in john chapter 20 verse 19 that sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the jewish leaders and suddenly jesus was standing there among them peace be with you he said And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you, and as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I love this moment because what Jesus does is he comes upon the disciples who are locked behind closed doors, they're in fear and passivity and they're, they're frozen and they really weren't the church that he wanted them to be yet and we shouldn't be hunkered down and afraid either but what Jesus does is he first shows up and he ministers to their needs and he says peace be with you. I, I want to tell you when Jesus says peace be with you it's different than anybody else saying it to you Have you ever had a really bad day and somebody really close to you says, it's gonna be all right. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, right, it's gonna be all right. But when Jesus says it's different, peace be with you. Jesus' peace gives you the ability to be calm in any circumstance or any time of your life. His voice speaks it. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with ministering to them. And I said I want you to catch. He doesn't ever stop with just ministering to us. He sends them as he was sent. See, you and I are meant to be sent. We are meant to be sent. We aren't just to be ministered to. You are also meant to be sent. Now, I'm not saying that you're meant to be a missionary on the other side of the world. You are meant to be a part of the sending part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that cares about the whole world. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are meant to be sent. (laughs) And then he empowers them for their ministry. He says, then he breathed, verse 22, then he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is really interesting because you can go through books, education, Christian education, you can learn about the facts of Christianity, you can learn the facts of the Bible, but you can still be empty and have nothing. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. There is something about the Holy Spirit that every believer needs. We need the breath, the respiration of the Holy Spirit in our lives or we can't be sent. How many want the Holy Spirit to breathe on you even today? Amen. And then I want you to fast forward to Acts chapter 1 because Jesus ascends and he tells his his followers to go wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 6. It says, so when the apostles were with Jesus... They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, they've been with him for a long time, and they still get it confused. It gives me great hope because I still get some things confused. But they're like, Lord, are you going to come now and make my world better? Are you going to do what I've been wanting you to do? And Jesus rebukes them in the next verse. He essentially just says, hey, hey, that's up to the Father, right? But essentially, the human nature is to try to get a move of God for the, our benefit. You know, I want, I would love it if somebody were, uh, I was somehow to be blessed with a, a million dollars, okay? But the real question is, what would I do with that million dollars if it came? See, In the disciples' world, they wanted the move of God to benefit them, and they were missing, see, they wanted it to benefit their kingdom. Their kingdom. And he was talking to them about the larger kingdom. He was thinking about the kingdom worldwide. You know, when Jesus told his disciples how to pray, how did he tell them to pray? Pray this way. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here, all of a sudden, they're going, is it restoring our kingdom? He replied, verse 7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, And friends, I still proclaim that same truth as an echo today. You still can receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. And I pray it's not a clergified thing. It's not the pastor that has all the power. But every day, average Christians are receiving the power of the Holy Spirit when they get up on Monday morning. You need the power. Secondly, he says, you'll receive power. You will be my witnesses. Now, witnesses... that. We simply tell the truth of what we've seen and experienced. But in the Greek, it's also martyrs. And the martyrs is the ability to give up your life for a cause. You're going to receive the kind of power, not lunatic power, but you're going to receive the kind of power that enables you to live this kingdom life out. And even if somebody opposes you and wants to kill you, you're not going to be afraid of it. Because even in your death, the kingdom is going to grow. Where is it going to grow? It's going to grow everywhere. Everybody said everywhere. Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This, my friends, is the echo. It kept going and it kept spreading and the kingdom moves out and eventually it moves to the end of the earth. This is the story of the church. Not just Emmanuel, but the church. You see, when Jesus left the earth, the disciples and the followers of Christ started spreading out. Some of it came through persecution, but they had to go. They landed in modern-day Turkey and Greece, in the Roman Empire, then in the Northern Africa, and the kingdom of God kept extending. And then you can read the New Testament letters And the New Testament letters were from one part of the kingdom to believers in another part of the kingdom in another land, encouraging each other. Some of it was, we need help, send some money. Some of it was, pray for us, we've got demonic strongholds we're trying to attack. Others it was, I'm in prison, but to, to the glory of God, I'm getting to preach to people nobody else gets to preach to. And so you see the kingdom of God, the echo of the kingdom going outward. It was powerful and it moved throughout the centuries and it grew thousands upon thousands upon thousands and millions of people eventually. And yes, over time what occurred is the church began to formalize and they began to care about the needs of the communities around us. And they started orphanages and they started universities for education systems. And they they started uh, taking care of the poor and the needy. And the church of Jesus Christ, wherever she has gone, has always been to the benefit of the communities around them. And there were some in the institutional churches who misused the power and they wanted it for their own kingdom. And they stole the money and they used it for bad uses and they uh, abused some of the poor. But I'm going to tell you this, even with all of the failures of some church leaders over the years, even then, the original echo is still resounding in 2016. The kingdom of God continues to grow. And one of the most powerful moments, and that was all as a result of Acts chapter 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon an average group of people, that 1906 in, in, in uh, Los Angeles, California, there's a little storefront church called Azusa Street Mission. And God met a group of people that were just asking for him to move. They just wanted a fresh touch from God. And God starts showing up, and it was a multicultural event. It was a powerful move of the Spirit. And people started coming from all over the United States and eventually from all over the world because they knew if they went to that church, they would experience God. And when God got a hold of them, there was all kinds of supernatural activity, biblical supernatural activity taking place. So people were speaking in spiritual languages and there were interpretations. There were visions and dreams and all kinds of amazing healings, powerful prophetic words, stuff you see in the Bible all the time was happening. And people were not seeing it in their ordinary churches, so they had to go to L.A. to find it. And within eight short years, 1906 to 1914, the kingdom of God began to grow because people would go there and then they would go back to their hometown and they would start a church. And in the Assemblies of God alone, the movement that we're a part of in the Assemblies of God, in the first 20 years of the Assemblies of God, 85% of all of our ministers were called evangelists. And evangelists were nothing more than church planners. They would go into a town, they would establish a church, they would stay there for one to two years, and then they would move on. And the kingdom of God was established throughout the world. The amazing thing is, and part of that Pentecostal movement has spread throughout all of the world, that now in the, in the globe that we, we get to inhabit in 2016, that in the southern hemispheres, in the South Americas, Central Americas, Africa, Southeast Asia, that's where the kingdom of God is growing the most. And it's the Pentecostal church. People believing in the full Bible and they're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit being breathed out on them. It is growing rapidly and they can't stop it. It is the only thing. Praise the Lord. Amen. And by the way, it's the only thing that's powerful enough to confront Islam. A spirit-filled believer is the only thing that we're not afraid of death itself. Amen. So in, uh, in 1963, in the, kind of the spread of the echoes from Azusa Street, a little church called Fridley Assembly was started. That's this church. And uh, we were started as a Canadian family. The Dennis family were living in Missouri and they're called up to be the pastors of First Assembly. Or excuse me, Fridley Assembly, I said First. Fridley Assembly of God. And it was just across the street where our eventual building was on the other side of Osborne. When we moved across the street to our present facility in Spring Lake Park, we couldn't be Fridley Assembly anymore because we were in the city of Spring Lake Park. And that's when we became Emmanuel. And one of the coolest things about our church is is that ordinary average people over the years, we've just prayed and received wisdom from God. We've given to missions. We've, we've participated in the kingdom around the world. And our founding pastor spent so much time talking about how we are to build the kingdom and God will build our church. If we take care of the kingdom, we don't need to worry about our church. God will take care of our church. And as we did, God continued to use us globally and locally through prayer and finances. And just this week at our board meeting, I looked at a 20-year snapshot of our finances. And in that snapshot, it showed from 1996 to 2016 that the people of Emmanuel, the humble people of Emmanuel, have given over $11.5 million to missions locally and worldwide, $11.5 million. We've sent missions teams, and hundreds of people from Emmanuel have gone into ministry locally, nationally, and around the world. And I want you to hear me, because it wrapped up in this is because we've been others-focused, and it hasn't directly benefited this church or our building or our programs, but we've had a heart for the global kingdom. God has taken care of us. I think that's a principle not only for the church, but also for families and for individual households. That when we have a heart for the kingdom and we care about the things outside and we care about God's kingdom, of course, what does Jesus say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all those other things are added unto you. And through an ongoing partnership with, that we have with 176 missionaries and ministries, we are presently in our community, serving in our nation and in six continents, communicating the good news with those who are away from God, rescuing victims from the trafficking industries. In fact, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Choco, we had sent $10,000 to him out of our offering from our Greater Faith Weekend and then I came back and asked for another 10,000 to buy a van for their, their uh, ministry res- rescuing prostitutes off the streets of Chicago and they bought the van and we got a picture of it this week and uh i don't know if we could show it there's the van and not only that show the next picture because our logo is on their van how about that come on somebody i love that So we're clothing and feeding the homeless, planting churches, training ministers and pastors in church plants, investing in education, providing homes for orphans, responding to disasters and crises, ministering to children, youth, and adults all around the world, and equipping the next generation. Friends, we are making an ongoing difference here, there, and everywhere. That's what you're a part of. That's the kingdom of God. And now we have a strategic mission. And our strategic mission is worldwide, both local and global. And our mission is continual, not just occasional or sporadic. But we're heading into a year-long perspective of missions now at our church. I'm going to share some of the vision. You've got the, the little handouts, the 2016 missions projects. And these are just a handful of them that we're going to be doing this year. But we're asking God for regular commitment to take care of the missionaries that we support around the world and to pray for them. But we're also asking God to help us with bigger projects, to help plant a couple of churches in Russia and to take care of, 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 of needs in the Arabian Peninsula as we continue to train people and send them out throughout the Arabian Peninsula. And our ultimate mission is to love in action both in addressing spiritual and physical needs. And we do this through praying, through giving, and through going. We are to pray, and we're to give, and we're to go. I would love for our church to be a kingdom-minded church, every individual in our church, to consider your heart to be connected to something bigger than you are, and to be connected to something that God is doing through all of us together. See, it's not just one person. It's all of us together. And all of us can pray, and all of us can give, and all of us can go. Say this with me. Say, pray. Give, Give, go. go. Turn to the person next to you and say, pray, Pray, give, 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 go." go. go. We've got missions trip opportunities for you to go on missions trips. And if you've never considered it, we'd love to have you go with us. And in 2016, our projects that we've got are going to be big. We're going to plant those churches, partnering with Andy Ratz, and in the Far East. We're going to continue to send church planting teams in the Arabian Peninsula. Our goal, one of our goals, is to send every student on a mission trip before they graduate, paid for. That's a goal. I would love to have every student that comes through our church go on a missions trip. Amen. And we're going to start that process this year. We're not going to be able to pay for it all, but we're going to make that one of our big projects. We're going to invest in local community stuff. We're going to continue to help rescue people through, from trafficking through Speed the Light, the ministry of Pastor Choco in Chicago. And then in November, we're going to do our annual Big Give, and we're just going to receive God, ask God for a miracle offering for the projects we couldn't get to throughout the year. And I think by the end of this year, God's going to enable us with his help to see everything, everything that's in his heart accomplished. Our mission involves all of us, and it can't be outsourced, and it can't be delegated. Some will go, and others will partner. I love the classic story of William Carey. And uh, William was one of those guys that was a missionary, and I got some friends that can help me out here. and. Uh, He was trying to get people to believe in China. This is back in the early parts of the 1900s. And he uh, he was trying to get them to believe in a group of people that they had never seen. And uh, he was trying to get them to, to believe and give and support. And so what he said to them is he said this. I'll go into the pit if you hold the rope. And it was as if he was saying, there's lots of different people that hold the rope. We got different sizes up here. My first round draft pick was John Montgomery. My second one was David Nighting. We got some strength. But he was saying some people have different responsibilities but we're all part of the same echo, the same kingdom. And he said, I wanna go in, if you hold the rope. I'll go in if you hold the rope. All right. right. (laughs) Give it up for my helpers. Thank you. (laughs) All of us are a part of God's echo. We are empowered and resourced by God to carry out that mission. So today, will you respond to the Kingdom Echo? By listening and responding and doing what God asks you to do only when he asks you, will you pray? Will you pray for our kingdom partners worldwide and consider them to be a part of the same team? And will you hold the rope? Today I want us to sing together and uh, if you would stand with me on both campuses.